Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Angela Skirtu. Angela is a speaker, author, and president of St. Louis Marriage Therapy. She is a Missouri licensed marriage therapist and nationally certified sex therapist. Her recent book, Premarital Counseling, A Guide for Clinicians, discusses the predictive factors of marital success, five habits for healthy relationships, and how to keep the spark in the relationship long-term. Hello, Angela. Thank you for being here. Hello, Mitch. Thank you for having me. I So we met, um, we've, we've, we've met a few times. Yes. But most recently, you and I were discussing sex, because that's what we do, and and I and you, there were so many things you were talking about. I went, this is so interesting. Like like my curiosity factor went up when you were talking about what the vanillas can learn from the kinks, and I'm mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, you need to be on a podcast because this is just <laughs> interesting. So so and and you have a book. Mm-hmm. Talk about the book. Okay, so premarital counseling, a guide for clinicians. I really cover in depth some of the skills that couples need to keep their marriage successful long-term, skills for how to listen to each other, how to shift their conflict and the way they talk to each other. Like earlier we were talking and I said, what I tell couples is just don't fight. (laughs) People are like, what? (laughs) And I know that sounds silly and I'm not saying that people won't fight, but the goal is to work on talking through conflict, not fighting. Because I think everybody's experienced this, but when you fight, you get nowhere. Right. Everybody feels that right because basically you're just escalating fighting is your emotions going out of whack and both of you doing that and attacking each other <laughs> and really not listening to each other yeah, and just you being don't get all to defense. a resolution I'm like in defense of my uh-huh, uh, I'm gonna uh-huh. prove that I'm right right when you're fighting you're fighting to win yes. not to listen and understand and that's a problem exactly so I talk about that and I also have a chapter about how to make your sex life strong and last long term because actually this is one of the biggest problems um, couples will come to me later about is that they feel like their sex life has completely died. The spark is gone. Or they're just having it so rarely, or they just don't even understand their own desire. Women and men are so different in the way they experience their desire. And so sometimes men are expecting women to behave a certain way that they're just not wired to do. Oh, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm trying to teach people that. But what I love is that, and it's so true, it's not like, um, I mean, you think if you go back to you know, in school, what do they teach the kids? They don't teach them how to communicate (laughs) about your sex life with that other person. They're just like, this goes in there and then babies are made. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, it's very basic. Yeah. And usually it's abstinence only. That's the most common one used, which by the way, research does not support. It ends up people who use that abstinence only training tend to have states that those are states that have higher pregnancy rates and teenage and, and the teenage years. And they also have higher STD rates. So it's a, it's actually a terrible I think form that of makes education sense because it's, it's kind of like, you know, like just don't do it, you know? And then, and then the yeah. kids are like, I'm sort of what curious. about all those kids and, who are like, oh, I like this. And, and this I have some fun. feelings here. Well, and I think it's that whole mysterious thing. Like, I, yeah. I, I, this is, this, uh, this is like, okay, here's what I'm going to go with right now. Um, <laughs> sure, do like, your thing. It's like McDonald's. Okay. You know, if you're, if you're like, I, my children never eat McDonald's. Never, <laughs> ever. They just do not eat. I'm, I'm all about health. Well, mm-hmm. I'm, I, the thing I think of in my head is when that kid starts driving, they're going to live at McDonald's. They're, they're going to be like, <laughs> 
there was the mysterious place that my mom would never let me go to, and now mm-hmm. I'm eating it every you day. You said this was poison, and I ate it, and it was amazing. And look, yeah, it is so good, you know. So that's yeah. the thing. I think that if you if you are constantly like, let's not even talk about it, just don't even do it. It's terrible, terrible, bad, bad, bad. Mm-hmm. And then the kids like, it's not so bad. So we were talking about this early too. And what one thing I use is a harm reduction model rather than an abstinence only model. And basically what harm reduction is, is we understand that people are going to have sex. This is also used for drugs. So like <laughs> we understand that sometimes people are going to want to drink or try things. Right. So rather than focusing on the vice as like, oh, this is a terrible Don't thing. Don't ever do it. Right. Because people, once they do it, there's reasons people do this. Sex is fun. And right. Alcohol can be fun too. Safely done. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. So if you think of harm reduction, it's, okay, how do we be safe with the behaviors around this activity? So how I frame it for like parents who are trying to talk to their kids is I say, imagine you're um, putting your kid on a bicycle and you're teaching them how to ride a bicycle. Um, You put a helmet on, you put um, these uh, shoulder pads and knee pads on. You putting that on isn't you condoning them crashing the bike. <laughs> yes. Right? You're not, not saying, go, I would like you to go forth and crash all over. No, over you still want them to ramp, bike right. safely. But what you're doing is, is you're protecting them if an accident does occur. Exactly. That's why birth control and condoms are so important. You're not saying you just get to have sex willy-nilly. But I mean, some kids will, and you kind of have to deal with that. <laughs> right. But right. you are saying, if you're going to engage in this activity, please protect yourself. Let's prevent some STIs. Let's permit and prevent an unwanted pregnancy because you don't need to get pregnant that young. Exactly. I mean, I that, and unless and, you really, really want to. No, and we kidding. were talking <laughs> earlier about how, you know, a lot of with teenagers, mm-hmm. the thought is let's, there are things that you could do right now that will, will cause yeah. issues for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So we I don't want that to happen. That. <laughs> well, it's true though. Right? So like, so like, and, and what I love is, you know, so, as a parent of a 15-year-old daughter, like what kind of a conversation should I have with her and that would make sense that wouldn't like not that that would make sense for her that you know that I could say here are some things you need to know about sex. I always ask questions first because I would want to know what my 15-year-old knows. Exactly. So start with the questions like, well, what are they talking about in school? What are you learning? What do they say about sex? How do, how do your friends and you learn about sex? Because then you kind of get a gauge of how far, how much information they have and how much misinformation they Ooh, have. Good. Right? Because sometimes right. they're learning from inappropriate the things yeah, or like, from the exactly. internet. Well, that's the most common way people learn is either through porn or friends. And both are pretty... Uh, uh, maybe not. The best great. sources. That doesn't right. mean that they can't be helpful in small ways, but if you've got a friend who knows nothing about <laughs> sex, or, or if you're just watching porn, I mean, they don't talk about how to talk to each other. They right. don't even show you romance. Like all these pizza guys are getting like laid. And I don't know if that happens that way in real life. But you know what? For that pizza guy, man. He is. <laughs> all the guys no in high school are like, I want to be a pizza man. <laughs> And how disappointing for them. Like I've never gotten laid on a run. Why? So it was it was a whole family with the kids and that was it. Exactly. Well, so back to your question. After you've got some information, then you can kind of guide them. Well, so you know, um, if ever you are considering having sex, I would love it if you just talk to me so we can decide together if it's a good choice. They sometimes will. They sometimes won't. Um, I know some parents who go as far as to say, you know, I I don't mind if you make out with each other in our house. But just so you know, I will randomly walk up here and just pretend I'm 
looking to do laundry, but I will be checking on you. But it can be that like it can be that transparent that you're kind right. of protecting them. You're also giving them a little space, but also I don't want anything. <laughs> right, right. No, no, no. I totally get you know that. What I'm though. saying, but then it's safe, but then and it's, you feel a little more. You're control. having that dialogue, mm-hmm. and you're transparent. Mm-hmm. The the child knows where you stand on things, but also that you understand what's going mm-hmm. on with them. And the big thing is don't lie to your kids. Like I, I see parents lying to their children, like oh it's bad, don't ever do that. But as soon as one of your lies is outed and they try it and they realize I don't think this was that bad, then they don't trust you. Right? They think you're just trying to keep me from doing things that are awesome. What else have you lied to right. me about? Right. And so it's it's important to be honest. Say sex feels good. I understand. Like your hormones are going crazy. You probably want to bang everything around, <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> but I want you to think about what is important to you. I want you to think about. What what questions you would want answered before you decide to have sex? Exactly. What you want out of a relationship? What would make you feel loved and supported? And and I think having that really honest conversation makes kids more discerning. They think through things because basically you were saying this earlier. Kids don't think long term. No. Like what's the consequence? And they think for they're this? invincible. They and, do, and, and they know right. everything. You uh-huh. can't learn anything from their parents. <laughs> I know. I was there once. I remember. I know. Even in college, we don't even develop, our brain doesn't develop fully until you're 25. So even college kids are a little, you know, you got to be careful because they don't know everything. But I think that having those honest conversations helps them to make good decisions for themselves. Very cool. Well, we are going to take a, that was awesome, by the way. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back with Angela. We are back with Angela. Okay, so this conversation could go into so many places. <laughs> well, I deal right? with a lot of topics. So. I mean, it just could go into so many places. So, um, from from the stand, like you know, you th- okay? We were talking about this earlier, and I so want to talk about this. When when people, you know, like are they get married? Okay, and and let's say they haven't had the conversation. They haven't read your book. They haven't been, you know, and then three or four years down the road, they're like, gosh, the spark is gone. Or even longer, they're in this marriage for, you know, 10, 20 years, and they're like, whatever, been there, done that. I'm not interested anymore. What do you, what do you, I mean, you know <laughs> no, what I mean? No, that actually I mean, absolutely yeah. happens. So, so what, <laughs> what advice do you have for these couples? For the couples who are already there or for preventing it? Well, I think both. I think okay. for the couples that are like, oh, we've been married two years and we're still hot for each other. And, and, you, and at mm-hmm. the time you think, I will always be hot for you. I can't yeah. imagine not, you know? So like, what should they be doing right now? Okay. So first I just want to offer education about desire because people don't know anything about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So your natural desire, the spontaneous desire, lasts anywhere from six months to two years in the beginning of a relationship. That's normal. That's when it's fun and it's easy. But I want to tell you about that two years. So couples...
Animals are doing things unintentionally that are creating their desire during that two years. Here's an example. You think about what you're going to wear on your date. You even think about the panties and the bra you put on or the Ah. boxers or you think about the cologne and like, I want her to kiss right here. And so like you dress up for each other or you think about what you're going to do on your date. Like, oh, I'm going to do this and then maybe I'll kiss her later. There's this thing you're doing in your brain that's creating a spark, that's creating that desire. And we naturally do it because you're excited and things are new and you can't stop thinking about that person, right? Right. But all of those things are the things people have to work at doing intentionally after that two years. Okay. And so basically what it is, is you create desire. And so I want to like just describe emotions for a second and why people are struggling with this. So there are people who have this kind of belief that I feel, therefore I act. So if I feel desire, I will then initiate sex. Okay. If I feel happy, I will then do cool, happy things. Like I'm going to go on a hike and I'm going to go off to, I don't know, into the sunset. Whatever it is you do when you're happy, right. right? But actually, so the fe- they think feelings come first, feelings and then come action. first, and then actions. Okay. But living that life means you have kind of a chaotic life at times. People who tend to be happier, people who tend to keep their desire up, act, and then the feelings follow. So happy people, for example, act in happy ways. They get up and they take care of themselves. They maybe start with a smile. They force themselves to go to work, even if it's a day where they're like, meh, I don't want to go to work. Right, right. You've done this before, right? Where you're like, I don't feel like going in, but you kind of like push through and you still do the thing that could potentially make you happy. And then over time you get into your day and you start feeling like, oh, I'm getting things accomplished. I got it going on. Right. The same is true with desire. Desire is a a byproduct of acting in desirous, kinky, fun ways. Whatever is for you, of course, because you don't have to be like wild. But if you like wild, you do you, right? Okay. (laughs) You do you. (laughs) I'm I'm always non-judgmental. I think people can be whatever they want to be, right? But so, yeah, like acting in desirous ways could include dressing up really sexy because it feels sexy to you. Like if you wear an outfit and it makes you like look at yourself and feel proud, then that is you igniting your own desire. Right. Yes. Or if you... um, if you flirt with your partner, like people are intentionally flirting. Like I'm not necessarily feeling the desire right now, but maybe if I do silly things, like send him a little, uh, you know, instead of a sexy pic, I'm totally <laughs> down for sexing with consenting adults because it's a very fun way to like stir the pot with each other. But couples who have a good sex life are stirring the pot all the time. We call it simmering. And it's basically keeping your pot on warm. Okay. Because <laughs> a watch pot doesn't boil if it's well, lukewarm. Well, this is true. This <laughs> but if is it's true. simmer, it goes boom, and you're ready to boil and bang. <laughs> so the <laughs> boil and boil bang. bang. Oh, bada bing, bada boom. I, this, see that right there. That's like the name of a, of a podcast for I you. Know, right? Boil and bang. Boil um, and bang. Boil and bang with Angela Skirt too. We're going to boil it today. So you're banging tonight. Um, so <laughs> I got a lot of those one So then now you're now let's say you're the couple and you have not been simmering. Yeah. You forgot to simmer. Yeah, it's pretty much there's no water in the pot anymore. Yeah, like that's this is bad. Rusty pot. (laughs) And now you're sitting there and you're looking at each other and go, desire gone, there's Mm -hmm, no simmering. mm -hmm. And now what do you do? Well, that's a harder job. And it depends on how long it's been that way. So if it's just started three to six months, it's a little bit easier to do the work of helping them re-simmer than it is if it's been like three years, four years. I've had couples that's been 20 years and they're now coming back because they retired. What they basically did is they funneled all their attention into their kids and then they retire and it's like, oh, we're like alone with each other. What do we do now? Wait, get the kids back. Well, yeah, yeah, because it it was a distraction. You know, like they were able, when 
they didn't have sex, they're like, well, I've got to focus on my kids. You know, there's right. ways that people kind of cope with a sexless can, marriage. Can, is it is it like you can take your sexual energy and funnel it into a different place? Or is it like, let's just, like it just goes away? You kind of, you, you hurt, but you compartmentalize it and you just focus on something else. Okay. It may come up every now and then, but you, the more you compartmentalize and kind of leave it over here in a box, the easier it is to just focus all your attention and passion on your kids. Gotcha. And, and you just, it just kind of goes to the back burner or it even goes off the stovetop. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> really? There's not even a pan. It doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Um, but so the longer it happens, the more I have to, like, I have to work on the people, on the individuals and like identifying long ago, what were the things you used to get out of sex? Like think back to the before time, like in the caveman ages of your marriage, right? <laughs> <laughs> But anyhow, um, think back to when you did like sex. What did you get out of sex? Because if there's no internal motivator for it, then they're not going to change. There was no reason. That they're like, why would I do this other than to like stave off my partner's anger? Okay. And that doesn't work either. We right, can't do yeah. consequence sex. No. Um, but so, yeah, like if I can find something in it that they used to get out of it, then we start there. Okay. And then we work on helping them to stir their own pot in small ways. Um, sometimes the person needs um, no pressure. So if like a one partner is interested in sex, but the other one is not, I ask the partner who's interested in sex to kind of just back off so this person can find their desire or like get their groove back, so to speak. Okay. And gotcha. then that, that freedom helps them to kind of explore. And then I make them watch a lot of sexy things because you have to like <laughs> think about sex and explore sex to start feeling sexy again. Um, and that starts to help them as well. But I'm always respectful of people's values, so it doesn't have to be pornographic. Right, if right, you're right. Not, like, that was my next question. Yeah. So it's not like you're saying, watch this pornographic porn. movie. It might just be a movie that about a couple sexy. It could kind be of... Sex in the City episodes. Remember okay. that old show I where like do. it was four women who were like really proud of their sexuality? I love that show because it's a model of how women can be sexy and smart and funny, and they don't have to be like... It's not that dynamic of you can only be a slut right. or you can only be a school marm. No, right. they, they right. were a beautiful pers perspective of like how a woman can be all of those things. And so things like that, that they can get their mind around. Or I like uh, female comedians who deal with sex, like um, Nikki Glaser or Amy Schumer. They okay, deal with yeah, sexual a topics. Yes, Amy does. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Not Safe with Nikki Glaser was a really good one, too, but oh, it only okay. lasted for a year. That I was such say, a good sex education show. What, what, was it a whole show? <laughs> yeah, she did a whole season, and each each season she would deal with topics. Like, remember when we were talking about um, labias? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Is Angela okay and I, I have, on of course it is, but, and we have such interesting conversations, us yeah. two. She so, did a whole episode about um, how women are doing that, how they feel like they need to do labiaplasty, and her message at the end was, your labia is normal, accept it, love it, it's beautiful. And I'm trying and to imagine, amazing. like, is there a plastic surgeon out there like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this, know. you know, and, and I mean, I just I'm can't. sure if you get money, you get money. You that, I guess, yeah. <laughs> but please don't get labiaplasty, it's beautiful, you have a beautiful labia. Yes, that's that's very good advice. Because yeah. and, and I gotta tell you, I just never have thought of like you know, let me go get that enhanced. I just never. It's just I, that was all, all new. Oh, oh, hello! Didn't know that was out there thing for me. Women with body issues is not a new thing. Well, I mean, true. For, forever and ever, that's a big part true, of true. my job is helping women feel comfortable with themselves. I think that's just the newest body image fad. It's the thing. Yeah, right. But like women always struggle. Like, oh my belly, or oh my, I don't know, all the things that we're worried about. Right. But women are really beautiful, and and that's actually a piece of teaching them about their desire too is helping them to. 
accept their body as something beautiful because sometimes right. that's what's stopping them. They have an inner monologue, like say their partner's trying to um, initiate with them. They'll be like, oh, I'm so ugly. Oh, I hate my stomach. Oh, oh I can't, and I can't then be that naked. And that gets in the way and of everything. it gets everything. in the way from them even enjoying the sexual experience. They right. don't even feel the touch the same way because they're lost in their head. Oh. Yeah, because good sex is mindful sex where you just let your brain go and you just feel your feelings. Oh, cool! Mm-hmm. Like meditate. Well, not it like is. Medit- it's like yoga. kind of like meditating. It's mm-hmm. like it's like just forget just forget all yeah. this all the mm-hmm. you know agendas things you got to get done. Yeah. Blood, that has to all go away in order for you to be present mm-hmm. with it. Yeah, relax. Relaxation's the first foundation for sex. If you can't relax, you can't like get in the mood. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Good stuff, Angela. We are going to take a break and we will be right back. back with Angela Skirt too and it is question time. Okay. Okay. So so this one I have to ask you. I kind of asked you before but I really really want to talk about it. Movie sex. Oh for goodness sakes, alive. <laughs> okay, so you know, you watch these movies mm-hmm. and and it always cracks me when well, okay, first of all when you have like the 80-year-old couple that's so, you know, like let's have sex all the time, you know, and you're mm-hmm. like, really do is that really it? I mean, that could be. be. I get it. <laughs> but then but then the people that they like it's just this huge desire and they they both orgasm and there's mm-hmm. there's big fireworks and it's like this whole thing and you're like and there's mood really? lighting and it just pans out to the <laughs> oh, back. Oh, I know. And the people <laughs> look perfect. And then they wake up mm-hmm. the next morning and they look perfect. And, you know, and you're just... I mean, yeah, you they know. have makeup on but, when they wake oh, up and their I hair is perfectly tousled to right? the side. Or they're kissing in the morning. You're like, ew, bad <laughs> breath. Didn't you go brush your teeth before? So, you know, <laughs> these are like these weird things that come up in my head. That's but funny. so So and you as a sex therapist, do you look at movies and go, oh, come on. Well, sure. Because I feel like it's an, an unrealistic expectation. Nobody... First of all, nobody has an orgasm at the same time. I just want to like clear the air there. Usually one person does and then you work on the other person. It's called afterplay, people. And so <laughs> afterplay is after a play. thing. It's right. a real thing. Yeah. It's not just foreplay, it's afterplay. And we both deserve orgasms, by the way. <laughs> Sometimes the female orgasm isn't um, encouraged as much or I don't know, they don't work as hard for them. Gotcha. But anyhow, um, yeah, like so that one, there are quite a few things that happen. Like sometimes your dog walks into the room. Um, <laughs> Sometimes you pull hair. Sometimes you're doing it and you're just not quite getting into it yet. And you just kind of like have to go back a little bit and maybe like touch or massage or kiss for a bit and then get back into sex. Well, um, into penis and vagina sex. Because there's like oral sex. There's like using vibrators. There's, I don't know, fingering. (laughs) Whatever you like to do. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, the sparkle session, which is another word for a blowjob, but a nicer one. (laughs) But yeah, like if you see sex, I kind of see sex as a session, not like one act, but it's it's a way you build into sex. So like most married sex, you may not really feel anything yet, or you may feel like a light twinge, but you're just not there yet. So right. you start by maybe talking and saying, how is your day? How have you been, <laughs> stranger? Gotcha. Gotcha. So you're connect, right. Right? right? It's like, I don't know you. Why am I going to jump in bed with you? <laughs> exactly. Not that you don't know each other, but you can but feel no, that no, way I in know. a day, yeah, right? right? Like you've been doing your thing. I mean, I'm we spend most thing, of our right. life at work. 
right? So maybe you talk and you connect and then maybe that talk moves into more flirtatious or playful talk like, well, what do you want to do tonight? And, <laughs> and then it starts moving into maybe touch and maybe you're kissing and maybe you're just, maybe you play a game of truth or dare. Who knows, you know? But it's it's a building process. It's right. not everybody just falls into bed naked together and like has the most awesome sex. But what I find is couples who understand that process, sometimes in between those, they do have those fall into bed times because they're creating and keeping their desire They're going. simmering. They're simmering. You should simmer every simmer. day. Simmer. Simmer, simmer. Very good. Okay, thank you. Because okay. it's always one of those things I'm like, what? All right. No. So then... Um, Youth. We 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 talked mm-hmm. a bit about how to talk to your kids and you know yeah. things that you know, but there is disturbing things going on right now with the with the access to pornographic material mm-hmm. for our youth. And so you know, and and as a parent, I mean, especially I think with me, young boys, you know, mm-hmm. that they're seeing these unrealistic things mm-hmm. and and also some very disturbing things. Um, what what does a parent do? I mean, you know, you can lock down your internet and what have you. They are going to find it. They're, they will they're find resourceful. It. Even beings. before the internet, they'd keep it in a magazine and right. a tire it's, somewhere. It's going to be found, <laughs> you know. It's going they are going to have access to it somewhere along the line. So, do you have any advice for parents on Yeah, sure. Actually, somebody, I recently heard a client who their mom did this to them. Their mom found them watching porn. And what the mom said is, you know, if you're going to look at naked bodies, I want you to see what realistic women look like. And so she got him an art book. Like, and what all I see art is, is old timey porn because like everybody was naked, right? Right, right, right. (laughs) So like, you know, give them a little old timey porn so they can see what women really look like, right? (laughs) I love it. It is. Everybody's, everybody loves naked people. It's been since the dawn of time, right? (laughs) But like one thing she did is she sat him down with art and like this is what women look like and um and sh- and that's kind of was his introduction to sex and then over time it would be books like uh, there's the better sex guide there's even for young kids there's um it's perfectly normal which is a kids cartoon book about teaching your kids about sex oh gotcha and so like at each stage essentially there are things you can teach them to normalize it and get them be a little more discerning and just like we talked about with harm reduction before that. Um, it's about behaviors. It's about problematic behaviors. It's not about the act. All all porn is, is it's uh, marketing something everybody loves, sex. Everybody likes sex, and they're just producing it in a way that makes it fun and easily accessible. Right. So as a parent, just give them the real picture, you know, that, yeah. okay, while that is happening, some of that's unrealistic. Like, um, most women don't orgasm with penis and vagina intercourse. Like 97% don't. And um, it, also you have to get to know somebody. And, and even to have sex, people need to have conversations to make sure that you're both consenting and, and you're both pe- comfortable with this. And the pizza guy doesn't get laid all the time when he brings pizzas. You can get well, a pizza job well, if you like pizza. Women <laughs> don't, ha- you know, like the, a lot of the porn bodies, you, you yeah. know, it's it's like they do, crazy surgeries mm-hmm. and right? women's bodies are beautiful just the way they are and actually I would really want to focus on teenage girls too because I feel like there's a lot that makes them feel so self-conscious like even every every magazine man every magazine shows these women perfect like even letting them know so you know that's airbrushed and actually I don't know if you noticed right. but the models are in these weird positions, positions and yeah. they do that so that you can't see the natural pooch that every woman has in her belly that's actually quite feminine and right. pretty but they do 
Well, but even like Victoria's Secret models, they've said that they they're they their their entire body has makeup, and Mm -hmm. I've seen them talk about for like you cannot believe how much makeup they put on our bodies before we walk down that stage, Mm -hmm. you know, and then airbrush so that it looks like I've got muscles in places I really don't have muscles and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I mean, it's a, it's a complete it's a illusion. Real body. Right. And, and that's that's something that I just want everybody to know is that like, actually, your body is beautiful as it is. And sometimes what you have to learn to do is, um, I've been doing this with clients a lot recently. I, I've been having my women see their body as an art canvas. Like if you were to if you were to go to an art um, art museum, mm-hmm. usually you say, "Oh, I like the way this flows into this," or "This is kind of interesting how this splashes into this." So I'm having women kind of try to look at their body as art. And if they were looking at art, what would they see out of the body that's beautiful? Um, and also comparing it to things like that they like that are nice, like peaches. Breasts are like peaches; they're beautiful. <laughs> Nobody says, "Oh, I can't." stand that peach <laughs> unless you really hate peaches but whatever <laughs> it could happen to some people but yeah. you know <laughs> yeah I just I want to prevent that negative body image because I'm seeing it do a lot of damage to people's sex lives right mm-hmm. so I feel like in America and tell me if I'm wrong but in America I think that we have a problem with talking about sex oh, where yes. other cultures do not have it as why I mean, because we, we, we certainly have it on like every program we can possibly put it into. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. why do we have such an issue? I think there's a lot of shame around it. I think um, it's it's interesting. Like every 20 or so years, a new sex therapist person will come up and they'll become popular. But it's like all the information fades away. And then it's like, well, where did all that information go? I think as a society, we're so scared of sex that like even if somebody, you know, if, if somebody has a show like that, it's, it's relegated to midnight. And even if it's an educational show, right. like what we've talked about here, some of the things people would be like, oh, how dare you Can't even believe. say that? Did she say labia? Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think it's it's fear based and it's not helping. It's it's causing more problems. Than That's it, what I think it is. Yeah, and, That's and, why we have these crazy mm-hmm. where where the where boys have access to this and there's no background. Like here's mm-hmm. what all this means because they we don't want to talk about it. Well, and one thing I want you guys to know for you, you talked about kids. Children who are educated about sex, like given comprehensive education, wait till they're older to have sex. There's research on that. Wow. And it's because they know. They, they know the information and they can look at it and make a decision that's best for them. But kids who don't know about it, they just let their hormones kind of guide them. Right, right. Which is not the best guide. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but in like seventh grade, the boys would just like sit in the desk and they couldn't move because they had erections. Like, Poor boys. What a, it's I was kind of obvious it was a with time. boys. <laughs> <laughs> but like, just because a girl kind of like brushed up them against them briefly. <laughs> right, right, right. You shouldn't let your hormones guide your children. Don't let your hormones guide. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. Absolutely. Well, this is just, thank you. I appreciate so much the, what you do, you know, thank I you. mean, and that, that you are bringing this to people to kind of like, like have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Don't be so afraid of the conversation. It's an important conversation. It's an important part of life. Um, I think what you do is amazing. Thank you. So thank you so much for being my guest today. Oh, thank you for having me. And I know we will see each other again soon. Great. (laughs) Thank you, Angela. Okay, everyone out there, you've been listening to Mishmash. So please go to iTunes and subscribe. And thank you for your time today. See you next time.